Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but uh, you can give us a call right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with questions about what's going to happen to your plant material with this crazy forecast. Is it really going to happen? Who knows? Or comments or concerns or whatever it happens to be. And Mr. Kelly, what are you going to do with your garden well our outside stuff should be good because it's all perennials and it's it's there and it's in the ground and it should be good and then the plants that we have outside now that we're inside all winter we'll bring in ah so we're going to be out of town next week so we're going to be uh i think the temperature where we're going to be is like uh 75 oh really on, May- on so the, you're going to take all your plants with you so we'll, no well i wish we could <laughs> no we'll just bring them in the house before we ha- head out of town but uh yeah kind of unexpected i i read that this morning at five o'clock and i hadn't pre-read the forecast and i saw that word and i thought no wait way. a second it's <laughs> april what what you know yeah so right hopefully it won't amount to much but uh it's going to be cold enough for that so that's a concern right yeah oh, well. so you're going to tell us what we should do yeah, run. <laughs> <laughs> bundle up and bundle up your plants. Exactly. Well, yes. All right. All right. Have See fun. You, Brian. It is Saturday morning, and we get together and we have a discussion about what's impacting your backyard. Oh, that extension on that downspout on your gutters. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's really making a flooded area. Or the side or the front landscapes, especially garden space. I want to do a raised bed. How do I do a raised bed? What should I put there? And the taste of the tropics, those houseplants, like Brian was saying, they're going to bring theirs back in. I've got some of mine outside. I think I'm going to leave them out and just see what happens because i got you know, several or a couple of the same varieties. Some of them are protected just still, and other ones are out. So I'm going to see if it gets really that cold, what's going to happen. Anyway, should you be pruning? Should you be shearing? Should you be watching for bugs? Yes. Pine sawflies. On my mugo pine, they really, I mean, did some devastation. But the interesting thing is, uh, guess what? Sparrows. Sparrows are going into this mugo pine. Mine's about 7 feet high, maybe 8 feet high, and about 12 or 14 feet wide. And they are actually going after these pine sawflies. So they're little worms. What they do is eat the needles off the pine trees right below the candles, right below the new growth. So it's really kind of a 
a wild, crazy circumstance. And, uh, wow, just I'm going to give you some ideas that I've sort of orchestrated over the years. And uh, this final judgment is going to be on yours, shoulders, but uh, maybe I can help a little bit. Anyway, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home or wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player is Alex. He's producing. He answers the phone, pushes all the buttons and everything else. So when you call, he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations if you'd like for me to do that. It's called a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage has an email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Ah, finally, the sky was starting to lighten up slightly. And uh, historic-style streetlights were really making the area bright. Birds were singing out, welcoming the morning. Miniature geodesic dome floats in the lawn area. And also with this, there's a solar panel and a wind turbine. So I'm not exactly sure what those were for. Well, I do know, but I'm not going to do that. You're going to have to go find out yourself. The street trees were really leafed out. There's three island plantings with a single fruit tree in each one. The sounds of cars flying by. Where am I? Well, I'm at the corner of Manchester Road and Kings Highway. There are four raised beds. The majority of the plant material seems to be uh, raspberry canes. Picnic table there offers respite, and that's sitting nearby, so you can just kind of go and relax. The signage actually names what this space is. It's Youth Exploring Science. It's a youth garden, St. Louis Science Center, and it's sponsored by Gateway Greening. So it's a really great place. It's kind of unusual location, but so many people drive by on the way to the West End, on the way to the hospitals, BJC, and that whole complex and everything else. It's really amazing. Other plantings include daffodils, which have finished, ornamental grasses, which are still, they need to be cut, but uh, not a whole lot of new growth coming on those. There's curly dock there. There's dandelions, which is really spicing up the neatly mowed lawn areas. Flowering shrubs were well-budded, ready to explode in white flowers. The street trees along Manchester Road were locust trees. So this is kind of a unique circumstance, unique setting. So I have uh, haven't been there to take my stroll for a little while, but again, it is done through the Science Center, St. Louis Science Center. It's Youth Exploring Science, Youth Garden. So great place, great location. So if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900-1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, the first phone call of the day is Nadez from Overland. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine. I have two questions. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, I grew up in France by Switzerland, and my grandfather, who was a gardener, uh, had ordered from a catalog a plant called Mahonia. And he grew it, not as a bush, but it grew into the fence. And it's uh, all along the fence, and it has fragrant yellow flowers and yellow grapes. And to this day, my brother still said, still there, and that was 1953. 
I was wondering, where can I get it and would it survive St. Louis weather? And can I grow it as a bush like holly? Basically not. It won't survive here. So Mahonia, I mean, you can see it sometimes for sale, but it's really the nurseries that have it for sale. They should put a, let's say, an asterisk on it saying this is not really going to be a plant that's going to be able to survive our screwy weather. Just, I mean, you heard the weather this Tuesday. We could get down into the 30s with snow. At this late yep. in the season, I mean, no. So don't, you know, no. I mean, the memories are great, but don't try to grow it. Okay. And the second one, uh, I used to walk uh, with my grandmother. That was in the 50s over there, too. And she used to pick along the road a plant called saponaria, and she would use it for her laundry. It makes soap. And I was wondering, can I get it and just grow it in a pot, or does it grow along the road here in Missouri? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't recognize that name of that particular plant, so I would say okay. go you know, try the Missouri Botanical Garden website and put it in there and see if they can give you a help. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. Yep. Yes. Bye. So just go to mobot.org and put the you know plant name in there. So. Anyway, now let's head out to Lake St. Louis and go into Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Uh, Good morning. Next spring, I would like to have large pots of hyacinths and jonquils in front of my house. And other than buying the bulbs this fall, I have no idea what to do. Well, you have the pots. You got to get those, of course. I have. I'm sorry. I have the pots. Okay. And basically what you need to do is I've got large pots. I do the same thing every year. And my pots, I have about, uh, uh, depending upon the size, about the bottom uh, 25 to 30% is, let's say, rock or gravel or whatever. Then the rest of it's filled up with uh, just potting mix. Uh-huh. And I just, you know, I plant them. Depending upon the type of bulb, the depth-wise, I make sure that none of them, you know, as I'm planting them, are actually touching the side of the pot, so there's a little bit of an insulation with the potting mix around it. Oh, and okay. uh, that's pretty much it. I mix them up. Uh, I put, like, some of them, they're going to go deeper, like the jonquils or the daffodils or whatever, and then I put, like, crocus on top of, you know, on top of those, but I have a layer of the potting mix in between, so that way I get two different, you know, sort of sequences of blooms. Okay, but do, do I put the bulbs in the fridge and plant them in February? Do I plant them in the fall no, you plant and them leave in the them fall like you normally would? And put them in the garage for the winter? No, no. Just leave the pots outside. My pots sit out all winter long. Now, so, Oh, okay. So, you know, there has been certain circumstances where the winter has been severe and you know, some of the bulbs have not really been able to survive. When you when I go back into the pot, you know, and dig them up and look at them, they look fine. It's just that something, you know, they feel a little bit soft, so they <laughs> yeah. basically yeah. got frozen. So, Wishy. but that's I mean, that's you know, just a chance I take. So, percentage wise, that's a small percentage, and it's well worth it because I like them in pots. Okay, and then I'm assuming that this is only a one year deal that these will not survive. To, to bloom a second year? Basically, they don't. You know, okay. I mean, I've tried it, you know, tried it, and some of them will come back, but uh, for the most part, I just kind of pull those out of the pots 
And then actually what I do is I, there's a park right across the street from us. I sneak over in the park sometimes. I plant some of them in there. I plant some in our yard. You know, and it's surprising. I just kind of dig a hole and dump them into it. And Do they rebloom? Yeah. I mean, it's... Oh, wow. Yeah, it completely, you know, catches me by surprise. I'm not saying all of them do, but percentage-wise, it's well worth my effort. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, super. Now I know what to do. I thank you so much. Certainly. My pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. And from Lake St. Louis, let, let's head into South St. Louis and go into Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Uh, good morning. Good Mike, morning. I have a question that uh, the other Jane sort of answered for me, but or you had, you had answered her. I planted about five or six tulip bulbs in a pot last fall, and they got nipped, I guess, the, the last um, cold spell that we had. They were coming up fine. And they just, you know, after that cold spell, they were white and and dead looking. So my question is, can I save them for next year or should I just pitch them? I'd probably just pitch them, especially because tulips. The tulips, even in the ground, are not reliable, you know, for giving you more than one year of show. Sometimes they will, but for the most part, they're not going to give you another, let's say, a showing of blooms. So I would say start all over again. And maybe, I don't know how large the pots you're using, but it should be at least 14 to 16 inches in diameter. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks, Mike, so much for your answer. I appreciate that. Sure. My pleasure. Because if you use smaller pots, then the chances of them you know, getting nipped by the cold is just going to be enhanced by that. So the larger yeah, pots I just have my, more insulation. I think the pot that I have them in is about 12 inches at the top. Yeah. So I need to go a little bit bigger. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes, my pleasure. And now let's go stay in South St. Louis and go to Barbara's yard. Hi, Barbara. Hi. We planted a wildflower garden about 10 years ago, and it turned out to be beautiful. Now the goldenrod has taken over. So last October, we dug up the goldenrod. Uh, Then we put down uh, plastic, covered it with mulch. So uh, yesterday we started taking off the mulch, and I was so surprised. There are all these green plants peeking up. That is goldenrod? Probably is. (laughs) Does it go on forever? (laughs) Yes, it'll haunt you for the rest of your life. No, basically when you dig it up, if you leave just a small percentage or a small piece of the root system, then, you know, that stuff is tough and durable. It is a wildflower. That's why they call it wildflowers. It's native. It's natural. And it's going to come back and, you know, for a long time, to be honest. Okay. So, and we've already purchased, you know, we've worked through the Missouri Wildflower Nursery. So mm-hmm. I've already, already purchased uh, squawweed and senecio to put in there. I want to get rid of the goldenrod. Well, I don't know if that's possible anymore. So can we do anything else this year besides dig that up? Can we leave the plastic and mulch on some of it? Yeah, to be honest with you, the plastic and mulch is not going to do really, it's not going to help. Do we need something like Roundup? Yeah, you need to go after it with, you know, an herbicide. So Uh that's going to be your best. Many people don't like to use the herbicides, I understand, but... uh, that's going to be the most effective approach. And so get that. I mean, you don't want to necessarily do it when it's raining or cloudy or cold or whatever because you want the plants to kind of actively absorb it. But what I would do is, you know, the, where you see the goldenrod, 
walk on it, it kind of caused some damage to, you know, the growth that you're seeing, and then okay. put the Roundup on it right after that. And this time of year we could do that? Yes. Not while it's this quite this cool, but as soon as the sun starts coming out and, you know, gets a little bit warmer. warmer. But, yeah, I've already used, you know, Roundup in a couple spots just to kind of see if it's going to be effective, and it has been effective. And so how long a wait until we do plant in that area then after using Roundup? Basically, it, go, it deactivates when it hits the soil, so it doesn't have any kind of contamination to the soil per se, but you want to make sure that it stays probably at least 10, if not 14 days on the goldenrod, which you're trying to kill off before you start fooling around with that. So okay. that's where your kind of your problem's going to be. Okay. Well, goldenrod's wonderful when you're out in the prairie, but not <laughs> in the wildflowers. Yeah, some of the wildflowers are that way for sure. There's no getting around it. But I use Roundup just like for in the cracks in the concrete, you know, the sidewalks and stuff like that, or the expansion oh. joints. That's where I use it. So I'll, I don't use it too much in the yard, but uh, I am using it on one bed space. It's in between the sidewalk and street because I'm converting it from lawn into where I'm going to put ground covers and things like that. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your help. We always listen, and I thought this is a problem to talk to Mike about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, because you. If, you, if you continue to try to just dig it up and get rid of it that way, it's probably going to take you a couple of years. Okay. Yeah, well, we did some a few years ago, and that was just a little patch. I guess we should have learned then. <laughs> you never know. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Now let's head out to Wildwood and go into Deb's yard. Hi, Deb. Good morning, Mike. How Hi. are you today? Very good. Great. Um, I got a question for you. Uh, a couple of years ago in our front uh, box, we had some, I think it was arborvitaes that were pulled out and put a Japanese maple in there. And I have had the worst time with, I think they're called volunteer sprouts that come out from the base of the tree. I guess they're left over from the roots of the arborvitae. And I can't get rid of them. Do you have any suggestions? Well, the arborvitae, if you pulled it out and got rid of the root system, there shouldn't be any kind of sucker growth coming up. You're saying there's some evergreens there? Well, no, it's not actually. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't even remember if it was an arborvitae that was there. But we had a tree cut down, and yes, those sucker roots are coming up. Maybe it was not an arborvitae, but they look like small trees. Right. And and they're just, I mean, and this year, there's even more of them than there was last year. And other than cutting them down at the root or at the, at the base of the ground, right. I don't know how to get rid of them. Uh, if you don't want to use herbicides, I mean, you're, you're kind of stuck. But also, what depending upon what type of Japanese maple you have, this may be sucker growth off the root system of your Japanese maple. So, in oh. other words, the Japanese maple, certain varieties are like three different trees glued together. The root system, then the trunk, and then the top. So... The, and top meaning where the leaves are as, as opposed to the trunk. So they could be coming off the root system of the Japanese maple. So oh. do, do they leaf out and look like, you know, what kind of leaves do they look like? You know what? I don't let them get that long, uh, they're, but they're very green when they first come up. Yeah, that's and I mean. Because, I mean, it could be, you know, again, I would say just wait and w until they fully leave, you know, until you, you can see a full leaf. 
and then take it to your favorite garden center and have them ID it and find out if it's sucker growth coming off your Japanese maple or if it's coming off the roots of a tree be, you know, that was there before because unless you plant it right on top of the existing tree, they shouldn't be coming up that close you know, to the, your Japanese maple. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess if they are the, the, the sucker roots or whatever you want to call them coming up from the Japanese maple, other than just keep cutting them down, there's not I guess too much else, else I can do. Right, because if you start using a systemic type herbicide, so in other words, a woody plant killer, then it's going to mm-hmm. cause an impact on the root system and you know cause an impact ultimately off on your Japanese maple. Okay. Well, let's just say they they aren't from the Japanese maple. Then is there some way of getting rid of them other than the herbicide, or is that what you just suggest? Basically, I mean, there's other than continuing to do what you're doing, there's nothing else unless you want to start digging down into it, into the ground, and see if they're coming off an existing root system. Because ultimately what's going to happen is that the root system of a tree that has been removed each year is going to decline and decline and decline. So depending upon the tree, the health of the tree, and everything else, it could probably last any place between three to five years after that. Okay. And continue to put out growth because it's desperate. Well, I got to tell you, this spring it looks like it's extremely desperate because <laughs> I cannot believe how many of those I've got coming up. And like right. I said, in years past, I've just got out there and cut them down or, right. you know, at like I said, at the ground level. But this year, I'm, wow, <laughs> there's a lot. So, <laughs> so okay, again, well, I'll go ahead and cut it off, take it to a, a plant center, see what they say, and then I'll go from there. Right. So, thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. Have a great day. Uh-huh. You too. And thank you. Jim, we'll be talking to you after the break. So, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, as much as I like warm weather and I am solar powered, so when the sun is not out, it's uh, my power is going down. But anyway, this cooler weather has, again, extended the spring and made it even more fantastic. The dogwoods are nothing but striking. I mean, Tracy and I went out to St. Charles uh, the other day, and on the way out there, just along the highways and other places to see the dogwoods, it's, I mean, Unbelievable. And then you see them in people's yards, you know, whether the the whites, that's the native one, the other hybrids, the pinks and everything else. So we've already had the magnolia time. Now we're having the dogwood time. It is just, I mean, and then the bulbs, you know, the spring bulbs, tulips are still in bloom. Not all the places. Most of mine have already started to drop their petals. But there are certain locations where they haven't even started to drop petals at all yet. So it's just it's just kind of incredible with this cool weather. It does make it so I want the heat, but anyway, it makes it aesthetically a really nice time of year. So uh, let's head out to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. How are you? Good. Hey, Mike. Um, the last few years, I've noticed that I'm getting uh, some poana in my grass uh, in the lawn. And um, I use Barricade every spring for crabgrass, but I was told to start using um, the Barricade fertilizer in the fall to try to control the poana. Is that correct? 
Uh, why would you use it in a fertilizer in the fall? You mean the herbicide? Well, well, it's uh, the barricade is, you know, I mean, I guess that's the way it comes. It's it's a, a crabgrass preventer, but it's got some fertilizer okay. in with it. Right. Do they do they make it without the fertilizer? I or? would I th- you know I think they do, and if not, probably I would just go with, you know, what first of all, what kind of lawn do you have? Um, it's just a mixture of of fescue. Okay, so it is you. That's a time of year when you do want to do the fertilizing. So, but yeah, basically, what you need to do mid to late August is when you put down the you know the pre-emergent. So that's when it's, you know, the annual bluegrass, the chickweed, the henbit, all that other stuff. That's when that's germinating. That's when you want to kill it off at the point of germination. So the herbicide, depending upon what type you want to use, if you haven't had good luck with the one you've been using, I'd try something else. Okay. And and you, you said, like, mid-August is the time to do that? Yeah, mid to late August. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I needed. I appreciate the info. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. I mean, those annual cool season weeds, you know, I mean, whether it's like the the annual bluegrass that you're talking about, speedwell, chickweed, henbit, all that stuff, that's when it's germinating. It's in full flower right now. It's just totally outrageously crazy. And the cool weather is extending the time. So even to get it under control, you know, if... With you, you've got an individual. There's small individual clumps, so it's a little bit harder to do. But some of these people, I mean, their yards are just nothing but henbit or chickweed or whatever it happens to be. So, good luck with that. But yeah, August, you know, mid to late August. And I, like I said, if you had used something for a couple years and you're not happy with the results, switch products. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, let's head over to Donna's yard now. Hi, Donna. Hi, Mike. How Hi. are you today? Very good. Um, I have a question. Last year at the in the fall, about October, I had some landscape work done, and they planted a holly, which is about six foot tall. Well, this spring, it looks like the backside of the holly, the part that probably gets the least amount of sun, has just died off. Um, I don't know if I'm guessing probably frost, but I don't know that for sure. Um, and I'm wondering. Do I cut off the parts that look like they've been frostbit and go from there? Do I contact the place that I bought it from and say, hey, there's a problem? I'm not really sure. This is the first time I've had a holly, and it was absolutely beautiful when they planted it. I'm so disappointed. Well, let me put it this way. If it's on the backside, backside so it's backing up to your house? Correct. Okay. Then that should not be the side that would be frost-damaged. Ah, I mean, that's a side that's more protected. It would be the front where, you know, the cold damage would occur. So to me, and I'm just, I'm surprised that quickly for the, to drop a lot of foliage. Usually it's going to happen over a period of time, but not within the first few months. So maybe, you know, the, I would call the, whoever did the installation for you and have them come out and take a look at it because it sounds like it's, you know, Location-wise and lots of different factors. Personally, I don't like hollies close to houses because of the foundation. The, uh, you know, the concrete is alkaline, and the hollies really like an acidic soil. But any of those you know, other factors really don't play a role in something that's been in the ground less than a year. 
And I'm wondering, too, they put some rock on top of the landscaping. Could that have ha- added to it? Uh, not that quickly. I mean, okay. so, to you know, and for it just to be on one side, to me that says, you know, I'm not saying it was damaged or anything else, but to have it, you know, happen this quick, that's just kind of a real unusual circumstance. Unless it is so really, really something. close to the house and you don't have any kind of, you know, vents coming out from your furnace or any of that other kind of stuff close by, do you? No, and no, I don't. And it's it should there should be enough air circulating around it. It's just kind of there by itself. Air should be able to get around it with no problem. Yeah, that's so that just you know, I would say the thing wasn't in really good shape, you know, when they put it in. Even though it looked great, there was maybe some that you know, that particular side when they brought it out, you know, when they brought it to your home, maybe it was laying on that side and something wasn't really obvious, but there was some small cracks in the branches. But, I mean, for that to defoliate within a few months doesn't make sense at all. Okay. I'll so, get in touch with them and see yeah. if I can't get some help there. Right, <laughs> Thank it, you so it, much for your help. Yeah, it has to be a physical damage type thing. It can't be anything gotcha. related to anything else. That makes sense. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your help. Sure, my pleasure. Let's go from Donna over to Rick's yard. Rick, how are you today? Hello, Rick. Oh. Just fine. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Hey, i uh getting a little tired of the weeds in the garden all the time. I've got some straw here. Would I hurt anything with the aeration or a fungus? I'd like to put it in for protection of uh, the weeds. The straw is not really going to help with the weed control. So, I mean, you can put it down, but it's not really going to do all that much for you. I thought it was because it wouldn't be any sunlight that, uh, that uh, it would help. Weeds are really tough. And, I mean, they can push through a lot of different kinds of circumstances. And if you put it so thick and deep, then it's going to impact any other kind of plant material. So straw is not going to—you're going to have to, you know, really consider either having somebody come out to physically remove the weeds, or you're going to have to physically remove them or use an herbicide. There's going to be—there's nothing else that's really—I mean, you pile stuff up, people will, you know, try to pile mulch up. And, everything, and other things, or they'll put landscape fabric down and put mulch on top of that. Well, that's fine. That can, you know, controls the stuff that's underneath the landscape fabric. But new weed seeds can blow in and germinate going down on in through the mulch. So there's, I mean, you've got a real difficult circumstance. Well, weed the weeds. So thanks, Mike. <laughs> right. Yeah, just look at those weeds like wildflowers. But anyway, thanks, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, we're headed back to the phones, and we're headed over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hey, good morning. Um, last summer, I had a mature pent oak thinned out, mostly dead limbs. Uh, the question is, should I fertilize it? this year and if so with what basically you know i wouldn't fertilize it necessarily i you know fertilizing i like to feed the soil with you know earth augering and backfilling with compost as opposed to putting tree spikes out i just you know that to me 
just is not the best way for trees overall or native type trees like what you're talking about. So okay. during the winter time, that would be halfway out from the trunk to the drip line. You'll start augering holes six inches deep, do a concentric circle, go out two feet all the way around, and just backfill that with compost and do that for a couple, of, you know, every few years. That's the best thing you can do. Healthy soil is the best thing for a healthy tree. Awesome. That's exactly what I needed. I appreciate your help and love your show. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Let's head now to Margie's. Hi, Margie. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a problem with an apricot tree I planted about three, four years ago. And this year it really was loaded with flowers. And the leaves started pushing out. And then, like, half the tree looks good. And the other uh, branch that's coming out on the other side, all the leaves on there kind of look wilted. Um I have no idea what's wrong with it. I don't notice any bug holes. Um, do you have any ideas for me? To me, it sounds like some physical damage. So if a branch is, you know, and the whole branch is doing the same thing, that just sounds like some way either wind or some cause something caused, a, you know, a crack or something in it, and that's where the, da- you know, the damage is. I don't think it's related to any kind of disease, insects, or anything else. You know, because it showed up, you know, the way that you just explained. So I would say just kind of leave everything alone and just kind of watch it and monitor it. And if the the wilting just continues to the point where the leaves drop off, then consider just taking that branch off entirely. Okay. It seems like that one, like it has two main branches because I've been, I pruned it into a smaller shape. Mm-hmm. And that's like one of the main branches. Or the it's not really a branch even it's like because the whole thing's only about four feet tall right so it's probably like kind of a trunkish type thing a split yeah. trunk and so yeah. to me it's still you know it's, it sounds like you know there's been some kind of physical damage that's happened to okay. it as opposed to anything else but just leave it and don't do anything else right to it. is it an area where mowing's being done or anything like that no it's in a flower bed okay so. You know, I don't know, you know, what it was, wind damage or whatever it happened to be or, you know, who knows. But uh, there's really okay. nothing you can do that's going to make any difference. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Sure. And now, Linda, could you do it kind of quick? Yeah, hi. Um, we just moved here. We've got a big tree. It's as tall as a telephone pole. We were told it's a magnolia. It has big leathery leaves, probably eight inches long, and like little pod things that look like pine cones. It's the, the pods are falling off. They're black, and the tree is not looking too hot. And I was just wondering what kind you thought it was and if it's dead or if it, this is just how they are. That's how it is. That's a southern magnolia. What you're seeing is those things. That's where the flowers were earlier, you know, okay. or... You know, that's historic flowers. So I'm assuming these leaves are like dark green, almost like plastic. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So it's a southern magnolia. So this is kind of what you can experience. So when do they get pretty? (laughs) Well, (laughs) what you're seeing is what you're going to get. There's no no flowers? Well, you're going to get some flowers. It's going to be when the weather warms up a little bit more. They bloom a little bit later. The saucer and, uh, you know, the other magnolias, star magnolias, they bloom in the spring. This particular one blooms in the, you know, in the summer. So what you're seeing is just the the pods that were left over from last year's flowering. So the, okay. the new flowers haven't come this year yet. 
Okay, so it'll be in the summer. Right, exactly. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, those magnolias. And if it's as big as what you're saying, like as high as a telephone pole, that thing is huge. And then sort of the nice thing about them is the way they look and everything else being a broadleaf evergreen. But also, I mean, they are just massive when they... And, but luckily, they don't drop all the leaves at once. But when the leaves are, you know, they drop, you're going to have to clean them up and you're going to have to clean up those, let's say, spent flowers. And uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun to have that tree in your yard. But uh, personally, I wouldn't want one myself, but I like it. You know, I certainly like to enjoy seeing them in somebody else's yard because I know there are a lot of work. So anyway. If you, anybody has questions, we've got lines open after the news, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And Kent, we'll be talking to you right after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can give us a call, or not us, give Alex a call. He just needs your first name, not your question or anything else, and where you're calling from, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Ideas, questions, comments, or concerns. And Mr. Kelly, I know Yo. you're, you're the bird guy. I don't know if you heard my uh you know, c- circumstance related to the sparrows no. that are plucking pine sawflies off my mugo pine. At first, I couldn't tell what they were doing, but there's small worms. The sparrows are flying into the mugo pine. They're bouncing all over the place, and then they can tell where the, I mean, they can see the worms. Really? And actually, they're pulling them out and, <laughs> and eating them. So, I mean, that's one of the real advantages of feeding birds as you mm-hmm. invite them in and they help with some of the insect control. That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't, yeah, I didn't hear that. Yeah, because they eat, they love the bugs. Right. High protein for them, man, they eat that stuff up. Right. Well, so good. it makes it so I don't have to squash them because usually I get in there and just squish them with my fingers. But now the sparrows are taking care of it. Well, good. now <laughs> yeah. you're going you're gonna to feed the sparrows and thank them for oh, that, right? Absolutely. Well, they're only around because I had been feeding. Right. I have stopped feeding because there's some of the local cats. Are hanging out. Oh and, yeah, you know, yeah. And one of them got a, you know, I'm one of the doves. So I thought oh. I'm going to stop feeding for a little while. So mm-hmm. not quite so many birds. Then the cats will stop coming. And yeah, yeah. So. We've got to keep an eye on the cats at our place too. <laughs> they they kind of walk across the field behind the house, our back pasture. <laughs> right. And they look over at the birds like, mm, but they know I'm waiting for them. <laughs> I had to chase one away the other day. So yeah. every now and then they forget and go for it. And you got to be there ready. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, that's neat. Yeah. Great. Well, good to see you, and I'm glad your cold is over. So, Anyway, oh, by the way, folks, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, cares for, ups and downs, and all arounds. To your annuals, you, you, should you get annuals when it's going to get so cold? Maybe. Yeah, well, you'll have to decide. Bulbs, what should you do with your daffodils and tulips? And should you be planting your elephant ears, caladiums, and uh, summer bulbs? Uh, edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, your perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. 
Alex is producing, so he answers the phone. Just your first name and where you're calling from, not the question that you're calling to speak with me about. Uh, during the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. I do them on the weekends, too. Today, after this show, I'm headed out to O'Fallon, Missouri. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. That's where my phone number and email address is, and we can contact you. Can contact me, and we'll schedule a walk and talk at your home, where I'll come over and spend uh, share forty years of experience. Oh my gosh, I'm getting so old with uh, all kinds of different t- scenarios. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to the Green Center. Now, this is a really unique not-for-profit organization. Their greenhouse is busting with plant material and they're going to be soon really ready for you to take them and put them in your garden. You can shop online at their plant sales store from the comfort of your home. That's going to be starting next Sunday, April 25th at noon. They have all kinds of natives, vegetables, flowers, herbs, and much more to choose from. And some of the quantities are a little bit short or low, so uh, shop early if you've got you know some specific needs. But what you need to do is go to www.com thegreencenter.org. Again, starting Sunday, April 25th at noon. You can place your order, and then you can come by and pick it up. They'll have it sitting on out the outside of their building with your name and everything else, so it really works very, very well. And again, this is a not-for-profit, so thanks for shopping at a local not-for-profit organization. Again, the Green Center connects people with nature through science and the arts. So, again, the website, www.thegreencenter.org. So, want to order some plants from them, you're going to be able to pick them up uh, Wednesday the 28th, Thursday the 29th, Friday the 30th, and Saturday, May 1st. They'll give you specific times that you can pick them up and you go right they their location is in University City on Blackberry so not very far away kind of in the center of the whole metropolitan area but anyway let's see why don't we take a call or two before we take a break let's go to Kent hi Kent how are you hello Mike hi um, about two years ago I planted two burning bushes um, in my front yard the one is going gangbusters the other one seems to be dying a slow death and uh, my question is, is there something I can get it that I can, uh, I don't know, fertilize it or, or something to get it back up? Or should I cut my losses and get a different one? I'd probably get a different one, to be honest with you. Because fertilizing, yeah. it, it's kind of like when you're feeling sick, eating food is not necessarily going to make you feel better. There's <laughs> specific things. So this yeah. one, the location, you know, there's a, pr- a problem with that particular site, whether it's proximity to a large tree root or whether it's, you know, maybe planted not quite uh, at the proper depth, maybe planted a little bit low. But burning bush are pretty tough and durable, as you well know, because, they I mean, they're all over the metropolitan area. But yeah. usually it's a wet soil circumstance. That's what usually sends them kind of downhill. Okay. So, in other words, right. when you, if you get a new one, just make sure, about, you know, the top of the root ball, about 10% of the root ball or 15% is above the surrounding ground. Okay, I'm, I may have planted too deep then. Maybe. Yeah, if you if you okay. got a dip, you know that's death for it for sure. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll give that a shot. All right. Great. Yeah. Okay, and, thanks, Mike. Yeah. My pleasure. And with everybody, when you plant anything, it doesn't really matter. Don't plant at at grade. Always put the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground, regardless of what the plant is, unless it's something that can grow like in a really wet soil situation. Let's get another one in. Let's go to Nathan's. Hi, Nathan. Uh, yes, I, I got two questions. Uh, the first one I, I have is they're growing in my yard. I have kids, young kids that love to go pick the dandelions and a dog that likes to eat them. <laughs> what do you suggest I put down that's going to be safe to take care of that? Normally, uh, I would never... Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, dandelions are broadleaf weed, so you could use like a weed be gone type thing. Always read the level level for or the label to make sure that it's going to be safe. But there's, you know, I mean, there's head to your favorite head to your favorite garden center. There's organic and you know weed controls too that you can take a look at as well. Okay, all right. My second question is: I got as I heard you talking about cats. I got some cats. And a groundhog living underneath my porch. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> and we've been trying to get it out. Um, the cats, they're feral. Uh, the groundhog, definitely a, a problem to worry about because it's right up around the foundation. Um, we've tried doing some trapping, stuff like that. Yeah. Bear. You're you're cutting out. So Down. basically, yeah, you should probably bring in a professional service if you've tried to trap and you've not been able to. Okay, okay. I didn't know if there was any like uh, uh, sprays you could put down. You know, they got the deer spray and stuff like that. Those, you know, those things are kind of ineffective, especially if yeah. there's going to be a lot of rain and if they've been there for a while then they're really going to, I mean, they're going to resist any kind of thing that's going to try to drive them away. So I'd say a professional service, use them and, you know, have them come out with the traps. Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Yep. Yeah, if you've got in the dandelion circumstance, I mean, there are several different kinds of organics. I mean, I mean, there's a horticultural vinegar. You could try that, not just regular vinegar. Use the one that's formulated for, you know, weed control and see if that's going to work, but just try, you know, try a couple different things. Yeah, I have never had this kind of issue before. Uh, just kind of popped up this year, but I also have a a dog that has epilepsy, has enough issues. A young pup, I don't want to take any other chances of introducing something else that may react right. to them. You know, the, and another thing you can do is just ignore them and enjoy them. Dandelions, yeah. I mean. It's in my backyard. I should just say the heck of it. It's right. My backyard, my front yard looks great. Okay. I would say yes. Just enjoy the dandelions. All right. That works. All right. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, sir. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and we're headed to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. I've heard that superphosphate food is good for iris. Is that true, and is it too late to be putting that down right now? I've already got some of the 
blooms starting to come up from the leaves. No, basically, you're again, you're feeding the soil with this. You're not necessarily directly feeding the plant. So whenever you put it down, that's fine. Okay. Just make and, sure you okay. follow the label, you know, watering it in and things along that line. Okay. And is superphosphate food the best type for iris? Well, I mean, it's fine. Superphosphate okay. is fine. To, you know, what you're doing is you're, again, feeding the soil so that it will feed the tubers, the root system. I'm assuming, you know, all the iris, anything really probably don't do it too often and don't do too much because what could happen is you, if you haven't had a soil test done, you may already have a high level of phosphorus in that location. And okay. having a super high level added on top of that could be detrimental to your plants as opposed to positive. That's what people okay. don't quite understand. Phosphorus and, and potassium both once the level gets too extreme, it could have a detrimental impact on whatever plant. Okay. All right. Great. Well, thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Lynn's yard. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question about a redbud tree. We have one that is not quite 20 years old. And in, in the past, it has had beautiful pink flowers. And this year, there are virtually no flowers on the tree. Just wanting to know if it is still, if you think it's still viable or, or what? It should be, but the red buds are absolutely spectacular throughout the entire region. So I don't yeah. know if, you know, the exposure of this particular tree and its location, you know, the actual the flower buds were frozen off during that 13 days when we got it, you know, ran through that spell where it didn't get above freezing or something along that line. But uh, just watch out. Make sure that it leaves out and the leaves are full, fully colored, full size and everything else. If not, then it's headed downhill. Yeah, I would say that you have to look very closely to see any flower on it right now. Yeah. I do know that last year there were some, uh, like, bagworms hanging off the tree. So I will watch the leaves and, like, and like you said, make sure that they come out fully. Otherwise, maybe we will, um, you know, go to Plan B and plant something else there. Right. But a bagworms on a, a redbud tree, that's a rare, rare, very rare. Okay. So. Well, maybe they weren't bagworms, but something was on there last year. Okay. Um, I sure appreciate your show. I look forward to it every Saturday morning, so thank you. Well, thanks for having me on your show. It's not my show. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And now let's head out to St. Peter's. Hi, Bill. How are you today? Well, good morning, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. Uh, quick question for you, something that I'm sure you've answered many times, but I'm going to do some tomatoes in containers on a patio. What should I use, potting soil or potting mix? Potting mix. Potting mix. I right. know you've answered that lots of times, but I just couldn't remember. <laughs> but that's okay. I just, you know, I like it because, you know, you with tomatoes, they need a lot of moisture, as you well know. You've probably right. grown them before. And so potting soil does have a tendency to hold the moisture. But I prefer, you know, put a saucer underneath, you know, the the pot that you're going to be planting them in, and keep some, you know, keep some water in there, and allow the, you know, the the water to pass down past the root system, as opposed to keeping too much moisture, because then you can create some problems. Containerized, you know, I know a lot of people don't agree with me, but I still say potting mix is by far the best. I've been using it for basically 40 years for all the container stuff where I've grown pretty much everything in containers possible. 
Okay. Well, I will take care of that. All right. Thank you much. Yeah, Appreciate it. Certainly. My pleasure. And plenty of people say, you know, we, we like potting soil. If you've had good luck with something, stick with it. But I've had good luck with, like I said, potting mix. And pretty much I can't think of anything that I really haven't grown in potting mixes. Let's see. Now, where should we go? Let's go to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Hi. My name is Barb Devine. Um, I have a birch tree, 25 years old, um, gorgeous tree all these years. Last year, it didn't look so hot. It dropped leaves early. This year, it's not coming out. And it's a huge tree. Um, It's in my front yard. And should I worry about it? I guess I should. Well, not necessarily. Are we talking river birch or what other? River birch. Okay. Uh, Some of the birch trees haven't started leaf out, you know, so I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. Really? Now, as this far late? As, yeah. I mean, there yeah. are several different types of trees that haven't leafed out yet. Yeah, I, I see that. My neighbor across the street has a birch, but it's a different kind, and it's barely leafing out. Right. So, and I mean, should, should I just wait a while? Why? I mean, how long would you think? Maybe another month? Yeah. If, if you're not getting leaves, you know, and it's for it to, you know, for something to impact it enough where it wouldn't leaf out at all, you know, and once with one year then that's, you know, something's really weird. Something, yeah. Real. And, you know, from the root on the bottom where the root meets the soil, right. there's a big cluster of green leaves. That doesn't mean, <laughs> maybe doesn't mean anything, but no. <laughs> it doesn't. No, I wouldn't worry about that. And uh, basically, I mean, the birch trees are really tough. They are historically known for dropping leaves through the entire growing season. So yeah. if you have not had that in the past, you've just been lucky. Oh, I've had that. And, okay. and when it gets very hot in the summer, a lot right. of yellow leaves, a lot of leaves yellow and come off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but it's a huge tree. It's got three huge trunks. And you know how big it can get. Well, oh, yeah. it's big. It's big. I hate to lose it. And I just was, I'm worried about it. I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Except keep looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> don't stare okay. at it. You're scaring it. Yeah, so you think I should wait a while before I worry about it. It doesn't look like, I mean, it's got these little tiny things hanging off of it, little tiny, whatever, I don't know, they, the beginning of a leaf maybe. I don't know what it is. Well, also they have flowers. I mean, they yeah, look I know like, that. you know, like, you know, kind of like upside down candles in a way. Right, exactly. I don't see anything like that yet. Okay. Nope. Nothing, nothing. So I would well, say I just, will watch it to Mike. I appreciate your help, and I love your show. Sure. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, and now let's go to South County and see what's going on with Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Um, I've got a couple questions. Uh, first of all, when when is the proper time to trim boxwoods and holly bushes? Basically before the new growth begins. Oh, so I'm too late already. Yeah. I mean, you can do it now. It's just that you know, the areas that you're going to be cutting off, it may not be you may be have you may expose some stems and things like that that you don't want to see and it's not going to have a chance to cover those up it may but i would say you're better off to do it earlier before the new growth begins so just kind of live with it as it, as they are right now okay okay and then the other question i had last year we've had a lot of troubles with moles which they never left all winter. Be, there was a, a couple of weeks there where it got really cold that they you didn't see anything. But last spring, they mostly made just like holes up in the yard, and you couldn't even push it down. And then they start making runners. Uh, I've had traps out. Um, I've not caught any, and they've not, none of them, and they're all over the yard. So now my yard is bumpy, and I'm wondering if I can roll it. And also about the peanuts. 
Well, you can try, you know, lots of different things. People will try mothballs and everything else. But the moles are in your yard because you have a nice yard and you have earthworms. That's their main diet. So consequently, okay. their tunneling is going towards the sounds of earthworms. So, oh. I mean, that's kind of what you're stuck with. A nice yard, you got earthworms, you got the moles, and, I mean, professional trappers can help. I mean, the traps are, I mean, they're difficult unless you have multiple traps put along the runs. I mean, I've had people call in and say, you know, they've had mole problems. They just sit out there in their yard with a shovel, and as soon as they see a tunnel move, they pop them up out of the ground and behead yeah, them or my whatever. My husband did that once, too. <laughs> we, saw that, we saw him. He run to get the shovels, and we he, he got it. Right. Almost cut its head off when he shot down. But, um yeah, and would it hurt to roll the yard to try and even it out a little bit? It's well, gotten very bumpy. Well, you can do that, but it's not going to make any difference to the moles. No, I know that, just oh. so the yard is smoother. Well, it's, uh, probably it's it, not going to make that much difference, but I would say go ahead and try it. Oh, okay. And what about the peanuts? I heard last year somebody said something about the peanuts that yeah. they work. Peanuts. I mean, there's all kinds of different stuff, and uh, some people have great luck with certain things, and some with another thing, and it's just uh, kind of a roll of the dice, to be honest. Okay, because these moles keep jumping all over the yards. They're kind of covering it all—the front and the back, both. Right. <laughs> Wherever they but, hear earthworms, that's where they're going. Oh, uh, well, there's not much I can do about that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you don't really uh, recommend peanuts either, then? Well, I mean, you could try them. They may work very well for you, but you just have to put them, you know, where they're going to be actively going by. So yeah, I mean, if it's a tunnel that they've more or less abandoned because they've gotten all the earthworms in that area, then they're not going to do a darn thing. Mm. Okay. I know it was the traps one year. I've got seven or eight moles in Whoa. the same same area. I think I got the mother and all her babies because it was like in <laughs> March or April. I can't remember when. But I was getting them with the trap. But now this year, I mean, I'm not getting anything. Or yeah. last year either. So, well, okay. Keep, you know, keep the traps and try some other things and see what happens. Go okay, to, I mean, go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, mobot.org, and see what they recommend. Okay, thanks. Sure. Bye. Thanks, Kathy. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. And right now, let's see what's going on with John. Hi, John. How you doing, Mike? Hey, I got a question for you. Um, Got a star magnolia bush, and I got some clippings. off, off the, off the branches. They're about three eighths in diameter, and I got them soaking in water. Will they root? And can I plant them? Uh, basically, they won't root in water. You should get some rooting hormone at your favorite garden center. Get some potting mix for starting plant material, and do it that way, as opposed to trying to root them in water. Even if you did get some roots to come out, it would be forever to have enough roots so they're going to be able to be supported, you know, and grow. So with the rooting hormone, it's just a powder that you dip the tip into and then put it in the potting mix, like I said, for starting plant materials. So just, just potting mix in that, uh, in that other stuff. Uh, what would you call it? Rooting hormone. H-O-R. Rooting hormone. Okay, right. just dip that in there and then put it in the uh, potting mix. And then uh, about how long will that take? To make it actually so that you could actually plant it in the ground? Probably a couple years. Okay. 
So it's Great. not going to be a fast, you know, fast fix by any means. Okay. Hey, uh, I got to pull up some zoysia uh, this spring. Um, should I wait till it's fully green, or can I start? It's starting to turn green now. Can I start cutting some of that up now, or what? Oh yeah, if you're going to use a sod cutter or whatever to get rid of it, sure. Anytime, as long as you know where it is, that's fine. Yeah, well, I gotta, I gotta take it up because I got some sinkholes, and I'm going to add dirt and then um, uh, reapply it. Oh, okay. So that's okay to do right about now. Yeah, because it is actively green. Yeah, so. it's, it's about fifty-fifty right now. Right. Yeah. So is mine. Okay. Um, yeah. Good. So, um, man, I really love the program. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. You know, these uh, magnolia cuttings that you're going to do, you're going to you know, grow them in pots for a couple years. So after you do the rooting hormone and the potting mix for starting plants, then you take that pot and you dig a hole in a garden space or something and put the pot down in that hole to s- sort of make sure that it can survive our screwball weather. Now let's go over to Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Hey, hi, Mike. I'm up in Springfield, Illinois. And I'm looking, Mike, to plant a new tree this spring. And I was looking at a spring snow crab apple. Can you give me an idea how that's different from a service berry? Uh, basically, more branches. Service berry, you know, it's a native type thing, so it's going to be a little bit more sparse as far as branching and everything goes. Uh, Flower-wise, the, probably the, the service berry is going to bloom a little bit earlier and the crab apples are just basically blooming right now. And the crab apple is going to end up being a much, like I said, larger, not tall-wise, but just a much fuller tree. All right. So if I have a small yard that I'm going to be planting this in, is a crab apple going to be uh, larger? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how larger. small is small, but uh, I would stay with you know probably the service berry if I was you. I don't know how big your yard is or anything else. And you could always, you know, I mean, fool with the crab apple, but uh, I mean, to put something in with the idea that you're going to have to control the size of it and everything else is going to be problematic. Service berry is going to be a little bit more friendly to a smaller circumstance. All right. One other question, a quickie. How much sun do, does azaleas really need? They really, I mean, they don't need a whole lot of sun, but they can handle sun. So you can see them in the Japanese garden in basically right. more or less full sun at the botanical garden. Or you can see them in you know English woodland garden basically in full shade. So they're pretty tough and durable. It depends upon the variety more so than anything else. All right. Yeah, because I don't have a lot of sun. Right. So uh, any varieties you're recommending for up where I'm at? Well, basically anything... You're kind of, you know, it's going to be tough regardless from here. Uh, The purples are the toughest colors, purples and reds. All right. Okay, good. All right, Michael. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Sure. And now let's go. Where should we go? We haven't talked to anybody named Linda all day long. He said maybe six or seven different people. Let's go to another Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Linda. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, um, love your show. Um, I have my house plants out for the last two weeks. Do I bring them in this week? Well, I mean, it's kind of up to you. Are they close to the house and everything else? Then you yeah. should you should probably be okay with them that way. But I don't want them to be out there and then they get frozen and you call in next week <laughs> and say, you told me to leave them out. Now they're all dead. 
So are you going to bring yours in? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's pretty much all I need to hear. <laughs> but are yours against the house then? Yeah, they are. Because, I mean, I had to, uh, like I always say, I want to have them in a shady location. So I actually have them on the north side of the house, some of them under Mugo Pines and various things like that. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it was, it, I know it is supposed to be cold, and I thought, oh, will that uh, affect them at all? But Right. You don't okay, know. Okay. It's a lot of work to bring them in again. Right. <laughs> You're exactly right. That's why. I actually have one that's still in the garage. I haven't moved outside. I'll probably leave that one in the garage and not move it outside until after this crazy Tuesday thing. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Love sure. your show. My pleasure. Bye-bye. And now let's go and see what's going on with Joe. Hi, Joe. Hello? Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Hey, uh, I've got a question about crabgrass. Um, uh, last fall, I started a lawn service uh, right after the city moved the water meter into my yard and dug my yard up. And then uh, I guess the uh, the sewer company or plumbing company heated it as well. But when everything started growing this spring, uh, all kinds of crabgrass came up, and I pulled as much as I can, but it's laced throughout the yard, and the rest of my yard looks really nice with the lawn service I have. I'm trying to figure out how to get this under control. Well, my guess is you don't have crabgrass because crabgrass well, That's is, what I was wondering. Yeah, you probably have the annual bluegrass. Crabgrass is not, it's not really exploded yet. It's a warm-season grass. It only starts pre-emergent. You put down when the forsythia is in bloom. So if it, you know, is sprouted from seed, blah blah blah, then it's you know it wouldn't be really big enough that you'd even notice what it was. To be honest. Well, this is like huge. It grows three, four times faster than the rest of the yard. I mean, it it was a foot tall above the rest of the yard when I uh, started getting you know, trying to get it under control. Yeah, and it I just see. it really really looks bad and and uh mixed with the rest of the yard that looks like a nice green you know carpeted i mean it really looks nice the rest of the yard well if you have a lawn service i'd say let them take care of it and i don't know you know what you know it's hard to say what you know type of grass it is or what type of weed but have them control it as opposed to you trying to take it yeah i i've i've placed a couple calls uh and apparently they're so busy i'm having a hard time getting uh uh, resolution at this time. I'm trying to be patient. I might have to uh, be a little less patient to get some answers, maybe. <laughs> right. Well, what you can do is just dig up a clump, take it to your favorite garden center, let them identify it, and then go from there. Okay, that's a big help. That's a good idea. I appreciate it. All right. Good luck with that. All right. Yeah. Thank I'm, you. If something's Thanks. growing that aggressively, that's you know pretty wild and crazy. Uh, yeah, Mike it's Miller, pretty aggressive. Yeah. Well, good luck, Joe. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we're headed to Baldwin. Hi, Al. How are you today? Good morning, Mike. Fine, thank you. Hey, uh, we're in our mid-70s, so we're very experienced in life, but don't know anything about gardening, evidently, and we were tricked into last Thursday putting out about 40 bedding plants. And now we understand Tuesday and Wednesday night it's going to get down into freezing area. And uh, we were wondering, uh, is it necessary? We're going to put some very lightweight plastic on those. Uh, is that necessary uh, for as cold as it's going to get? Or 
what can you tell us? Well, it's going to be a roll of dice. You know, it depends upon the exposure of your home and everything else. Sometimes the damage could be, yes, the temperature is really important, but if you've got the wind, that's going to bring the wind chill because a lot of times you look online and it says it's 42 degrees, but it feels like 35. So, that, you know, that plays a role in the whole thing. You could try, you know, to give them a little protection if you want, but beyond that, uh, there's not too much else you can do. I've already planted some stuff out, too, myself. Yeah. So if we were to cover those with a very light plastic, a clear plastic, uh, uh, you know, and it'd be on about 36 hours because of our schedule, uh, they're, they're at about 50% sun and shade. Would that be detrimental to have them under plastic that long? It could be, because if the sun does come out, even though it's cold, then you can mm-hmm. get really high levels of humidity in there and then consequently have some fungus problems starting. So Got when it. you do something like this, it's just, I mean, it's just kind of, I would say versus, pla- versus plastic, I would consider if you can get some access to some landscape fabric or burlap or something like that that is ventilated is going to be probably to the advantage more so than plastic. Okay, and then I have another question about pussy willow cutting. So we've had some in water uh, for about two weeks, and uh, some of them are thriving because they're putting out green green shoots, but there's no signs of roots coming out yet. Um, Can we just leave them in the water, or should we put some rooting compound on them and put them in? I would say they may water, they may root in the water, but to have the amount of roots that's needed for the things to actually survive and growth is going to be... Forever and ever, probably never, to be honest. So, okay, so be best to put them in compound with uh, soil. Then. Right, exactly, with the rooting okay. hormone. Okay, and then one one last question, we could. So some of these flowering plants, and we've got violas and armenia and saxifrage. Uh, is it necessary to deadhead those when the blooms are off? Or? For you know, for the most part, not. They their season is relatively short, so once you start deadheading, that's a lot of work, and it's not going to make that much difference. I see. When you say they're short, about so we got some of them blooming now. They're not going to last all summer, basically. No, or? they won't. They're cool season. I see. So when okay. the weather gets hot, they go whoop, just like mm-hmm. you know, lots of other things. Even though they're perennials, they'll come back next year, though. Right, exactly. As far I as the flowering good. goes, flowering, the flowering stops, but the plants will be there, be green. As well. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And uh, let's go to Kathy in Baldwin. Kathy, how are you? Hi, Mike. I have a, a problem with an apple tree. I I planted two apple trees about uh, three years ago, um, and they were doing just fine. Uh, last year, unfortunately, I went out late in the season and found that the, the bugs or something had kind of decimated uh, the leaves on my on my trees, and so I sprayed them. Um, one has come back and the other one is not leafing out. Uh, I've done the scratch test and it's still green under there. Is there any hope for it? Well, there could be. I mean, it's just a matter of patience and everything else. But if it's a bug problem, to just to spray an insecticide without seeing the bugs, you're not doing it. You know, you're not really helping anything. Yeah, I don't know what it was that ate it. It just went out there and all the leaves were pretty much eaten off. Right. So just, you know, monitor it really closely in the future and, I mean, you're going to see the insect, and I don't know what time of year it was or anything else, but when the insects are there and they're chewing, you're going to see them. So, I mean, again, if you don't see the insect, just to spray an insecticide is kind of a waste of time and money. Yeah. Yeah, I have no way of knowing. I just wondered if it was 
worth uh, keeping it in, or should I just replace it? And that's three three years, unfortunately. I have to go through again to, right. for my apple tree, but um, I was hoping there might be some chance for it to yeah. come well, back. Well, I mean, don't get into a panic if you don't, if they don't if it doesn't leaf full you know leaf out fully by the uh, mid May or something like that, then it's probably a goner. Okay. Okay, that gives me something to look forward to at least. <laughs> yeah, another month. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And sorry, Barb, Ted, David, and Linda, we're not going to be able to get to you today. But uh, everybody, just uh, with this colder weather, and you've already got stuff planted, so it just depends upon uh, you know how much you want to do to try to protect them. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it won't help. But who knows? Never hurts to try. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.